Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I've got a fantastic guest for you today, but real quick before we get to them, I have to tell you about Certified Piedmontese because this is a brand I am so excited about. In fact, I will never forget the first time I had Certified Piedmontese. The crown jewel of my initial visit to Casa Bovina was a beautiful rib cap that was so lean and tender, it was almost silky in texture. The moment that beef hit my taste buds, I was hooked. These animals are raised all natural on a network of family ranches across the Midwest, so Certified Piedmontese is able to cut out the middleman and buy directly from the source. And while I highly encourage you to check out Casa Bovina, you can savor this beef at home, too. Whether you order off Piedmontese.com or by calling one 800 414-3487, your purchase will be shipped directly to your front door. Plus, when you use my discount code HOPPEN, H-O-P-P-E-N, you get 25% off your order. How can you beat that? So what are you waiting for? Get some steaks, burgers, bacon, or other meats and experience the certified Piedmontese difference for yourself today. And now, to my guest. Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I'm your host, Dan Hoppin', and I am a huge fan of the brand that we're about to talk about on today's podcast. And that's not just because they sponsor the show, although that is much appreciated. You're welcome. But I love Certified Piedmontese because the immense flavor that comes from this beef, it has unique health benefits that make it just healthier and better than most beef producers. And it has connections to one of my absolute favorite restaurants. That's Casa Bovina. So let's meet the guys who behind the brand. We've got Ben Mole and Joe Finnegan in the in the studio today. Guys, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having us. We've been excited to come on this show uh, for, for almost two years now. I know you've interviewed a few folks within our business, and we're you know glad to share our story from the beef side. So glad to be here. Absolutely. Thanks for having us here today, Dan. I can't wait to help tell it. So because we've got multiple voices uh, going today. I would love for each of you to introduce yourselves, maybe talk about your, quickly talk about your role in the company and how long you've been with Certified Piedmontese. I'm Ben Mole. I've been with the company for about four years now, and I've been with the, the parents' companies uh, for over 10 years now. So I've had uh, my workings with the Pied family throughout their publishing side and now into the beef side. And as Joel will allude to as well, we wear many hats in our business, uh, growing from 30 employees from about three and a half years ago to now close to 200. Um, you do a lot of things, and we wear a lot of hats. And so I oversee a lot of the sales and marketing throughout the whole business, uh, including uh, some of the restaurant and butcher shops. And then Joe does everything else in between, pretty much. Yeah, and to echo that, you know, we've really seen a, a tremendous growth with our direct-to-consumer brand, uh, Certified Piedmontese. Uh, so Ben and I work closely kind of overseeing that, and then I'm also the uh, purchasing manager for the company as well. All right, awesome. So let's just start from a high level. Uh, Piedmontese cattle, very unique here in America, very special. I, I just want to hear from you guys. What makes this brand so, I guess, unique and special? Well, I would attribute it to the fact that it's it's a rare breed. I mean, you can even ask a lot of even cattle producers that have been doing this for generations and ask them about Piedmontese, and they might not be familiar with what that is. You know, I think a lot of people looked at, you know, our owner's last name is Pied, you know, P-E-D, and they see Piedmontese, and they assume that we named a breed of cattle after our owners, uh, but that is obviously nowhere near the truth on that. So um, we've taken an Italian heritage breed that's been around for centuries, you know, but really in North America, it didn't come into existence really till 1970. So we've taken such a rare, exclusive breed, and 
did it the Nebraska way and raised this up and producing a beef that really no one really knows about in this country up until really the last few five years. To play off that point, I think it says on you guys' website, less than 1% of cattle in the United States are Piedmontese. So we, we are talking about something very rare here. Sorry, less, go ahead, Joe. Less than half of 1%. Less than half of 1%. Okay, we can get even more granular. Yep. I like it. Yep, and, and that's really the unique thing for us as well because we own 95% of, of that Piedmontese heritage here in, in North America, so we're the only one that can supply a full 52-week supply of this beef coast-to-coast or right to your front door. Now, the thing that kind of differentiates Piedmontese beef from most other cattle is that it is naturally leaner and more muscular. So that sounds great, but what does that mean when you're actually eating it? What does it do to the flavor and the texture of the meat? Well, that's the biggest hurdle that we run up against in teaching or selling to the American consumer that, you know, for since 1900, you know, USDA has been telling everybody, choice, prime, you need that fatty marbling and all these steaks. But a lot of that USDA grading doesn't really exist outside of you know, the U.S. So, you know, beef overseas doesn't really carry any USDA grading. So, again, we're trying to tell the American consumer that a lean breed like Piedmontese is tender. And they're looking at you like you're crazy. Um, you know, for us to then take time to tell them, no, it's due to the genetics of this breed, that it is leaner. But the fact that it produces less connective tissue throughout the animal and shorter muscle fiber. So, again, it produces tender steak, not because of what we do to it. Not, you know, we're not massaging these cattle before you know, harvest. <laughs> and it really comes down to their genetics. But, you know, from an American consumer at a grocery store, you know, that butcher behind the counter can't talk to you about genetics. You know, are you going to sit there and listen to them all, go through all this thing? So we got to tell that consumer with our branding, our story, our social media that that lean steak that you see there that costs more than what you're going to see for a USDA choice is going to be a, a damn fine steak. Well, it's so interesting because one of the axioms that kind of permeates food culture is fat is flavor. And in a lot of cases, that's true. That's why restaurants use so much butter. That's why the richer an ice cream is, usually the better it tastes. But in this case, it is so interesting because this beef is less fatty, but I've genuinely do believe it tastes better than the majority of what you'll find out there even at great steakhouses it's pretty incredible and that's what we've been able to leverage with our marketing and education is the fact that you're getting the taste of real beef Uh, but because it's so lean it's still not sacrificing flavor or tenderness and again that's all back to the genetics of this breed of cattle so we kind of not a tagline of source but we call it the taste of real beef because, you know, you're not tasting fat. So when we get a lot of uh, new consumers to our brand, new chefs, new retailers, and they take a bite of our steak, and they are surprised, but, like, it's because it's a taste of steak. You know, yes, you can go griddle off some fat off a ribeye and see that's what a fatty steak tastes like. You take a bite of Piedmontese, like, that's what actual beef tastes like. And then, like, it almost trains your palate. And, you know, we've been eating this beef for years now. And, like, so obviously, if you're trying it too, you'll start to understand, like, when you have a fattier steak, you start tasting more and more of that fat. And, like, for us, like, that's not what I want anymore. Yes, I can introduce fat with a compound butter or side dish or where the case may be. But when you want steak, I actually want to taste steak, not all that fat that goes with it. Mm-hmm. And just to be clear, uh, for anyone who's listening, you guys offer all manner of steaks and roasts. Those are probably the most popular things that you're known for. But Serum Piedmontese also offers ground beef, beef jerky, all beef hot dogs and broths, short ribs, and one of my personal favorites, beef bacon. So you guys are kind of in an interesting position with your jobs. How do you 
learn to position yourself as a company that, yeah, we do steaks and we do roasts, like we do those really well, but we've got these other great products too. I think some of that comes down to the the whole vertical integration of our entire business. You know, we're not just a beef company. You're not just sourcing cattle out there. You know, obviously we're focusing on one breed. Uh, And to do that effectively, we do it with our own cattle company. You know, so we're, we own the cattle, we are working with the calves all the way up through harvest. And then when it comes into our facility, you know, we're further processing it down into steaks, roasts, uh, ground beef. So we do all our own grinding on site. And then what do you do with all this trim that comes off of making all these great steaks as well? Now we're, you know, turn that into gourmet sausages and hot dogs and summer sausages and cured meats. And now obviously our new beef bacon that uh, sold out in two and a half days. Uh, does so, not surprise me one bit. It all just kind of comes down to, to giving as much respect to the animal as possible because we're taking all that time to raise it uh, from you know birth to harvest. How can we show our respects from start to finish? And that's part of that reason why we've expanded that smokehouse product line and, and the cured meats as well because, again, typically that goes into trim, which is discarded. Yeah, and for most beef, beef companies that don't have a, a value-added part of their business, you would sell that trim off into the market. So, you know, even if you have a premium product, even like a lot of uh, American Wagyu or even Japanese Wagyu, some of that trim product will just get sold out there. That doesn't really carry any more value to them. All that value is kind of carried in the stake. So when it goes into the trim market, it might end up in some, you know, nice food productions meatballs that you see out there. But the brand doesn't carry all the way down through it. You know, it's just at the end of the day, just meat. Um, So for us, we certainly did do that, can do that. But you know, we want to kind of keep all that branding and heritage that we took so much time to produce, you know, from calf up and to keep that branding and meat under our own. So it's great that we have this whole portfolio of products. And then you think about the shopper going to the grocery store, they're typically not just going in to buy one or two items, you know. So for us to provide a, an online Piedmontese grocery store um, makes that super beneficial for us. Mm-hmm. Are there any, I know you guys are both grill masters yourselves. Are there any cuts or specific products that you want to highlight or that you find yourself using again and again? Well, from my standpoint, our, a lot of our program is moving towards a grass-fed, grass-finished product. And I know everyone's thinking, oh, man, I've had grass-fed beef before and I, I hate it. You know, but I want to tell everybody, well, if you haven't had Piedmontese beef, you know, our grass-finished beef, like, you can't say that just yet. I mean, I find our grass-finished beef, I mean, absolutely the most tender steak that we can find out there. It cooks quick. It just tastes great. And so for me, I'm all all in on our our New York strips or sirloins because I think in our breed, that loin category just shines. Um, Even like on a choice or prime grade animal that comes from a certified Angus Black program. I mean, a great steak on its own, but there's can be some inconsistencies, you know, with our grass finish. Like it's just tender no matter what steak that you pull off out of there. Real quick, I'll come back to you, Joe. I want to get your answer on this, but... You just brought up something, Ben, that I wanted to hit on later, and I and we'll get to some more of these, but I feel like there are a lot of kind of buzzwords that are just thrown around with beef that consumers hear all the time, and we don't really have any idea what they mean. Grass-fed. That sounds great to me. Like, I, I picture a cow, yeah, all happy out in the field, but what does that actually do to the end product when you're feeding it grass as opposed to grain or some kind of, you know, man-made substance? We see a lot in the marketplace now, you know, especially even on the retailer business to business side, you know, grass fed or grass finished. Like as a, we as a company, how are you selling that? You know, it's very rare that you have a fully grass a documented or audited and claim proven grass fed and grass finished product. So you see more commonly in the marketplace just grass finished. So that means that, you know, calf or animal is probably purchased as a feeder. 
um, from any ranch in you know Midwest or America, and then you're just finishing them on a, gra- a grass finished diet. So there, you're not claiming any grass fed part, you know, because no rancher out there is going to go through all that paperwork to ensure that it was only eating grass the entire time it was calving, you know. So for us, you know, because we have a direct tie into our cattle company and our producers, we can ensure that they weren't introduced any grains their entirety of their lives before they come into our program. So we have that full source verification claim that it's always has not been exposed to, to grains um, or we're not feeding them corn. You know, so it's you know, exclusively been grass-fed. All cattle eat grass, of course. But it's been kept on grass its whole life. And when it comes into our program, when we start finishing them, it's still, again, only on grass. So um, to have a true grass-fed, grass-finished product is not very common in the United States. And so we're proud to be one of the few that does. And obviously then producing a great finished beef product makes it all the better. Nothing about certified Piedmontese is very common, it seems. You guys do a lot of uncommon stuff, and I think that's what makes it special. Now, Joe, back to you. Favorite cut or product? You know, it's it changes by the day, but I think just because, you know, obviously new year, new year, new diet, right? So I've been really loving the grass-fed, grass-finished sirloin filet, uh, partially obviously because of the performance, but uh, the health attributes attached to it are second to none. I mean, an 8-ounce sirloin filet, is 52 grams of protein, 0.8 grams of fat, and 240 calories, and that's for the whole steak. But the best part is you can still cut it with a butter knife. So you truly get the best of, of all the worlds. Well, I mean, that plays directly into what I want to talk about next, which is the nutrition. I mean, you know, we've we've talked a little bit about this, but, like, you just don't expect something that's this delicious to be this healthy. It's kind of crazy. And, I mean, this this is a big deal for me. We were kind of talking about this off the mics. Like, people see my Instagram, my social media, and they say, how are you skinny, man? All you do is eat out. Well, in between those meals, like, I'm looking for something that's going to satisfy me but not be such a calorie or a fat bomb. And certified Piedmontese is, like, a great thing to introduce to my diet, like, it has fewer calories, less fat, and most and more proteins than most other beef brands. We've talked about this a little bit, but can we get a little bit more into the science of it? Like, how does that work? Why is this beef so healthy? Well, I would say that, you know, all beef, we believe, is healthy. I mean, no matter what program it comes from, as far as what beef can provide as far as protein and even some of the healthy fats that come with it, all beef is healthy in our opinion. Does it all perform well? Maybe not. But, I mean, from us, what the genetics that it produces is the fact that it produces more beef, right, because there's just less fat and less connective tissue than other breeds. So you're really just getting more beef, therefore more protein. So that's kind of where the higher protein count comes up because on an 8-ounce sirloin, like there's 8 ounces of protein in there. There's no other room for fat or connective tissue. So that's where you kind of get the more lean or, sorry, Leaner beef, so less fat, more protein, and therefore less calories. So for us, that's when we say healthier. It's because it's just got lower calories. Um, you know, if you're talking about a grass-fed, grass-finished program where there might be some more omegas or all these other nutrients that, you know, here or there, I don't know how much that impacts someone's overall nutrition, you know, unless you're purely on a carnivore diet or something. But really when we say healthier, it is, comes down to just the less fat. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of the unique thing as well is our macronutrient profiles across the board uh, is half the fat, calories, and saturated fat is traditional beef. But again, you're getting more protein per ounce because of the leanness of the product, um, which puts us in a very unique position because usually, I mean, we can eat a 10-ounce ribeye and go for a run 
right afterwards. Whereas most times you eat a 10 ounce ribeye and you're, you're like, you're taking a nap. Exactly. <laughs> and we, it really kind of helped propel us, um, you know, right before COVID hit, you know, we, we had tied up into some fitness ambassadors, uh, on the West coast that more into the, like the power lifting side. And when our name got out there to that group of followers, like we just kind of took off, uh, you know, so everyone's sitting there wanting to just gobble down a bunch of, of lean protein where they don't have to do it with chicken anymore. Like, Piedmontese was that next answer. Um, and right away, we saw huge growth in that market um, and continue to see it. And we have a lot of ambassadors that continually reach out to us. Um, to sift through all that is a challenge because, I mean, everyone wants, you know, can you guys send me some free beef and I'll promote you on my page. But um, we've really excelled in, in that fitness space and we'll continue to do so. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, I I believe everything you guys are saying, but, like, especially just looking through the website for the first for the first time, it almost sounds too good to be true. It's like, wait, this has less calories, less fat, and it tastes better. Like, how does that work? What was you, you guys' like in your introduction to Piedmontese beef? Like, did you kind of have that skepticism? I would say, you know, coming from working in the business or, you know, working at the company, like you're drawn to want to like it no matter what. Yeah. You know, so obviously we might not be the perfect examples of that, but you can see the challenge we have even trying to gain new customers um, or certainly even in the retail space, again, with a lean stake with, and with our price point, it's a tough marketing pitch. So we've invested a lot in our website to tell that story than relying on some grocery store chain to do it because, again, they're not going to invest all that resources in sharing all this branding and promotion of why Piedmontese is a lean but still a tender steak. So we'll do the investment on our part and just have people shop on our site so we can share the story. And once we get you once, uh, we're going to get you again. Mm-hmm. And we've also leveraged, uh, obviously, with that educational component, we've leveraged true educational resources by way of the university to do uh, the Warner Bratzler Shear Force Test Method, which we compare ourselves actually to prime grade beef in tenderness. And uh, as Ben mentioned, you know, the tenderness factor, we're actually outperforming prime grade beef and tenderness once you move into the secondary cuts or the thin meats, which is a testament to our, again, the cattle that we're raising because there's no fat on them. But yet we're outperforming prime grade beef, which is, you know, creme de la creme according to the USDA grading scale. How fun is it for you guys to like to introduce people, whether it's fitness people or, or really anyone to the product and rattle off these facts for them? And then have them taste the beef and then just be like, oh, my gosh, like what they're saying, it's it's not BS like this is for real. Well, probably 95 percent of the time, all the information that we shout out quickly to them at a trade store or something, I mean, flies right over their head. They just want to taste the beef, you know, but we know it. And we we at all these trade shows, we kind of joke about the time is you see people take this bite of steak and they're going to tell you, you know, that's a grass finished steak there. That's got half the fat and calories of prime grade steak. And they're like okay, we'll see. And then they take a bite and their eyes roll back in their head. You're like, yeah, I had the same experience just two minutes ago when I took my own bite. I mean, mm-hmm. time and time again, like people, this way it performs, it just blows everyone away, you know? And then, you know, so then they're grabbing the materials. They're going to go home, try and make an order. But again, the taste test is the only way we can win customers. So getting that customer to our site or into the grocery store to try it once that's when we'll win them because we can do all the marketing in the world, all the podcasts in the world, but really we got to get people to taste it first because um, that's that's the proof in the pudding. Anyone who's listening and wants to take that 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 step over and get the taste, 
first, go to either Certified Piedmontese's Instagram page or Ben's Instagram page. You'll find it at Home Chef and Dad. If you look at those pictures and don't say, I need this right now, then there's something wrong with you. You might want to go check in with your doctor because I've almost unfollowed you a couple times just because I'm like, oh my gosh, I just want steak. All the-. But I can't stop following you because you're delightful and you take amazing pictures and I, I want more of that content in my life. Uh, so we, we've talked about like Piedmontese is very, very rare. A lot of people have not heard of it. It's becoming more well-known. But still, you know, less than one half of a percent of uh, the cattle in America are Piedmontese. How do you get the word out? Is it is is it trade shows? Is it directing people to the website? Like, what what strategies are you guys using to introduce this amazing product to America at large? Primary business is business to business, right? So the large volume of beef that we sell is through retailers throughout the country. Primarily uh, on the coasts, right? I mean, where more metro areas are. So obviously you get some more grassroots marketing done that way by just people in grocery stores. But, you know, we're investing a lot in our digital marketing, uh, you know, going after social or Google shoppers, people who start to be more comfortable shopping for food online. Um, but Joe does a lot more of our ambassador reach out. So, again, that that spread of people who are truly influencing their followers has been, I mean, a huge part of our, our growth and reach Targeting, obviously, whether it be, you know, more the, you know, the fitness uh, realm or just, you know, more the family-oriented type of, of followers where, or even the foodies, I should say. I mean, we're really investing in that growth as well. And that's the most unique value proposition that we can provide to those folks because we're not a supplement company. We're not a pre-workout company or a protein powder, et cetera. You know, we're a, a need for survival. So when we can tell people we have a better alternative to what you're currently purchasing, but we can also use you and your platform to help tell our story, you know, that brings more people into the the CP train, so Mm -hmm. to speak. Hey there, listeners. We'll get back to my guest in a minute, but I got to remind you one more time about Certified Piedmontese. Anyone who listens to this podcast or follows me on social media knows that I enjoy my fair share of decadent meals and delicious desserts. And that's why it's really important to me to eat really clean between big meals. And that is one of the main reasons I love certified Piedmontese. Piedmontese cattle have extra muscle mass, which allows them to maintain a rich tenderness without much fatty marbling. In fact, ounce for ounce, certified Piedmontese beef has fewer calories and more protein than salmon. Don't believe that healthy food can taste this good? Just try it. When you order off CertifiedPiedmontese.com, use the promo code HOPPEN, that's my last name, H-O-P-P-E-N, for 25% off your order. You will taste the difference for yourself. If you are looking for steak, roasts, tenderloins, bacon, and more, check out CertifiedPiedmontese.com and experience the Certified Piedmontese difference today. And now, back to my guest. All right, so we, we talked through one buzzword earlier the kind of grass-fed grass-finished there are a couple other ones that i would like to just kind of bounce off you guys so you can further explain what they mean if that's okay Mm -hmm. farm to fork what does that mean when it comes to certified piedmontese well i think you look at um the large packers out in this industry right you know the tyson jbs cargill national the large majority of beef that you're going to see in the grocery store you know that is you know, they're just buying feeders on the market. So they could be coming from, or auctions, you know, they're coming from cattle and ranches all over the place. 
uh, different mixes of breeds, uh, you know, ages, weights. I mean, that's why you can get some inconsistencies in what you buy from the store. You know, for us, the fact that we are source verified, um, you know, farm to fork is that we know exactly where this calf came from. We're working with a group of, you know, a dozen or so family producers throughout the Midwest, you know, primarily in South Dakota, Nebraska. But we have contracts on these calves even before they're born. Um, so we know exactly it came in from this ranch here in South Dakota. Um, you know, we know that that cow is going to be raised on an all-natural grass-fed diet. Um, and then when we bring them into our system, you know, uh, we have fully traceability from them to keeping them on grass and all that type of stuff. So, again, we can tra- trace back every single cut of beef that we produce all the way back to the family ranch that, you know, birthed the calf. And that just goes, you know, obviously we not selling faceless animals like you'd see, like Ben mentioned, you know, at most grocery stores because we have that unique story to tell. And, again, we're trying to champion this brand. So that farm-to-fork story is, is integral. But also the pandemic taught us that people truly are caring about where they're getting their food from because they don't want X, Y, and Z. Or, you know, a lot of beef can also be imported and repackaged with, with product USA on it. Do you want to eat that? Probably not. Well, some of that's where that inconsistency comes from because if you're just buying, you know, a company buying thousands of of head to process or even just thousands of beef that you bring in and slice into your own package, you can't guarantee any consistency or quality throughout the whole cuts that you're producing. Um, Now, obviously, to meet some supply and demand, you kind of have to do those things, but we're positioned to where, I mean, we take care to make sure that the finished beef quality or product that we produce under certified Piedmontese is going to be consistent in, in quality, but we can't do that unless we know exactly how it was raised and where it came from. So we've invested a lot, and we, we everything that we do is third-party audited. So it's not just us, you know, on a piece of computer paper writing a small affidavit and asking a rancher to sign it. Like, we have a third party come in and do all of our auditing. Um, IMI Global is one of the big ones we use. Um, I mean, a global institution for that, uh, where food comes from, uh, recently does our both our source verification and non-GMO. So, again, we're making sure that the claims that the consumers are wanting, not just what we want, we're trying to identify what you, the consumer, would want out of beef. But we have a laundry list of attributes to give our consumers the power to pick and choose what they want out of our beef, knowing that we're going to tick all the boxes anyway. Mm-hmm. Another buzzword I want to hit is all natural. So when I when I read a packaging or some verbiage on your website that says, "Hey, there's no homo, wow, no hormones, no steroids, no antibiotics," that all sounds great to me. I don't want to be eating that stuff. But what does that actually mean? Like, what do those things do to a cattle that you won't find in certified Piedmontese beef? Well, the big thing when you see all natural on a product that doesn't necessarily mean much uh, from the USDA and how we what we are approved to put on a label, usually that just means made with minimal processing. So when you see all natural, it's usually a little small asterisk, you know, minimal processing. What you're really referring to is like a verified natural where you're actually putting on the label, no antibiotics, nor homo, no hormones. It's hard to say, isn't it? <laughs> all that time. Um, but with the antibiotics, I mean, it's a natural course for some cattle, especially in some larger programs that the cattle to get sick, no different than a human. Um, so a vet would come out and, or like I said, the rancher administered a course of antibiotics um, to get the cow, cow healthy again or the calf. Um, for us, because, you know, again, where it's more of a consumer uh, demand than it is what, we, you know, we would choose for our own beef. But uh, we administered the antibiotics and the cows removed from the program. 
So, you know, it could be sold off into a feeder um, or a feed yard somewhere to be soaked up by Tyson Cargill or somewhere somewhere else. It's going to be great beef, you know, but it won't be sold under our brand. Um, so everything that we have, again, our animals aren't get sick that often either. So we do it in such small numbers that we can make sure that it's a healthy program from start to finish. Uh, and hormones usually come in, again, as far as growth promotants. So if you're targeting choice prime grade beef and you want you know, a heavier animal with more fat, you can administer some steroids or hormones to help the growth along. Or if you get a small calf that, again, it costs money to keep them older, right? So you don't want, you know, a two-year-old animal, it costs you more dollars. So if you can pump some hormones in there to speed up the growth so you can harvest them at, you know, 22 months instead of 28, again, you're going to, it's going to cost less for you to get it sold or produced. And again, there, we're using those third-party authentication services to to not just let us talk the talk but they're verifying we're walking the walk so we and we do we're above the table we have nothing to hide and that's why we go above and beyond to have those certifications and i will address on the antibiotics too no one's allowed to harvest any animals that you know when the course of antibiotics is given it is fully out of their system before you're allowed to harvest so really like we get this a lot too like no one's producing uh, animal that was just treated antibiotics two days before harvest, you know? So we want people to understand like any rancher, any beef company out there, the beef itself largely is not going to have antibiotics in there because it's been three months since they were dosed anyway. So all beef is going to be healthy, but again, it comes down to what does that consumer want to see on a claim? And so we're just providing that knowing that that's what the consumer expectation and we want to be able to provide to them exactly what they want. Mm-hmm. How did each of you get into the beef industry? Well, uh, I started with the, like uh, with the family's publishing business, uh, and just I have always had an interest in food. Um, and I don't know what happened one day, but I walked into the owner's office, and he said, "Hey, uh, starting in two months, we're going to move you over to the beef company." And you know, I was surprised. Uh, I thankfully had known Joe before beforehand, so I had some comfort knowing I'd had someone I knew uh, to go work in there, but. Uh, shoved over one day uh, and then working as part of a small company at that time, um, you're really immersed in all processes and information um, and you just pick up knowledge pretty quick around there. Yeah. And I graduated from the university with a, a marketing and gerontology degree. Uh, and gerontology? Yeah, right. So That's a really cool word. I have no idea what yeah, it means, study but it sounds a, impressive. The study of aging. So I, I went from the elderly population to uh, the bovine population. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I started working with uh, P- Certified Piedmontese in 2015 and, and just kind of hit the ground running and, and was able to kind of immerse myself. And at first it was social media, and then it's kind of evolved into to what we're doing now with kind of these new endeavors with opening restaurants, retail shops, et cetera. So it's been really, really fun and really exciting to see, obviously, how far we've come and, and where we've yet to go. There, I mean, the growth has just been massive even over just the last couple of years with you guys opening the huge campus out in east lincoln and casa bovina and the mercado and now what tony and contra has got going on like there's so much that's happening with certified piedmontese even as you just look over the last decade or you know the last eight years since you joined in 2015 joe like how do you think you've seen the company most evolve well, it probably would be in obviously our cattle numbers we need to still at the backbone still sell and produce beef I should say produce and sell. Um, but, you know, as we wanted a more local place outside the coast to sell our beef, you know, getting our butcher shop open was, again, let's give people in Lincoln or Omaha a local place to walk in and buy fresh cuts. You know, so 
we have a small little shop at our headquarters of the mothership there, but it pumps out a lot of volume, way more than what we thought we would. You know, so you start serving more customers, selling more beef, and like, geez, we need some more room. Or you get start getting more demand from Southlink and from Omaha. Um, and so it's really that customer demand that pushed us into expanding what we even do at that campus. So what we thought was going to just be a nice little promotional store, uh, you know, at head campus. Now uh, we're opening up a second location in West Omaha. Cannot wait for that. Um, That's the, coming this summer, right? Hopefully. Uh, Fingers crossed. We won't hold your feet to the fire on that one. The large but. retailers of the world stole all the cold merchandisers that are available. So um, dang those folks. But, uh, yeah, and then uh, South Lincoln's going to get another Mercado. Uh, we're opening up a downtown restaurant called Aragon. Um, a kind of a cool name for the restaurant is it's named after one of our uh, flagship sires that we had back in 2012. He kind of, like, spawned our entire program and kind of went from a small program to, you know, a medium-sized program. Um, and then as we, you know, obviously Casa Bovina is on there too, but you also start surrounding yourself with such talented staff and like, you know, you got guys that got these skills to do all these things, but why just limit them in cooking for one little shop here? Why don't we expand their talents, enable them to really do more? And thankfully we have ownership and resources to kind of keep doing what we're doing. And I think our headquartered campus in Lincoln is kind of the catalyst for all of this, because again, We've got so many different attributes or so many different verticals that people are interested in. We've got that farm-to-fork story. We've got the health benefits. We've got the all-natural program. We've got the, the foodie, you know, performance on the plate. Uh, but most importantly, especially like today's conversation, we're a local Nebraska product. So if you can keep your money for inside the state from start to finish – and then also have that eating experience at the end of the day that's unrivaled or unmatched based off of what you can get hyper-locally at a grocery store. I mean, that's a win-win for, for every single situation. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, like Ben mentioned, you know, we've seen tremendous response to it. And as a result, we've got those two new Mercado retail locations and then uh, the new restaurant downtown Lincoln. Yeah, tell me more about that because maybe, maybe I've been living under a rock, but I haven't heard about Aragon yet. It hasn't been that loudly shouted yet because we're still, I mean, six months away from opening probably. Um, But the opportunity kind of came up. I know our owner's always been interested in something in downtown. You know, if people aren't that familiar with where we're located in Lincoln, I mean, we're off of Waverly, kind of out in the the sticks of sorts. So Mm -hmm. there's not like hotels around this. There's not other restaurants. So like we have a destination spot for sure. Um, but we wanted a spot that is part more of the local tourism part, right? And we wanted a, a place that's necessarily not a fine dining approach, but be more approachable just by casual diners. So um, downtown, you know, having this, you know, nicer upper end burger style restaurant with, you know, gourmet dishes still and, and feature on steaks, of course, too. Uh, great cocktails and all that stuff. An opportunity presented itself to have a really lush uh, downtown uh, restaurant, and they jumped on it. Uh, amidst of all of our other projects, you know, we're always like, yay. But <laughs> thinking of, of the work that we have ahead of us to execute all this at a very high level um, will be the challenge ahead of us, but uh, we're really excited for it. I'm surprised you didn't say how easy it was to get to our headquartered campus from Omaha, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we get a lot of Omaha traffic. We're right off the interstate, right? So. Um, but yeah, it's a really exciting, um, thank Joe's obviously doing a lot with getting all the organization in place for it. We have an amazing staff. I know you've met some of those guys there. So we'll use again, shared resources to execute both at a very high level. Um, and again, to have that 
location where it's not inconvenient to come all the way out to see us, uh, you know, down at a Husker football game or, you know, just checking Lincoln out. It'll be a swanky place to go check out. So and I just think it's cool that it's kind of named after a bull, you know, ties back to our, our beef program. Um, I don't know if they're going to try and get the hide of that bull up featured somewhere in the restaurant, but I think that'd be a cool touch. And, and kind of to echo Ben's sentiment there, it's going to be completely different than what you would expect from Casa Bovina. Uh, because you go to Casa Bovina for the experience and, and kind of the whole ordeal. It's very European in nature. Uh, you know, you're sitting there for two to three hours. Whereas at Aragon, we're still going to have similar components to what we have at Casa Bovina by way of service, ambiance, and experience. But you're not going to be, you know, there for three hours. Mm-hmm. You're still going to get that same high-quality, you know, center-of-the-plate protein, uh, high-end cocktails, etc., in a beautiful, furnished, you know, restaurant. Um, but it'll be much quicker for you, so you can go to a show at the lead center, or go to the football game, or go to the basketball game, etc. Or it's something you might just stumble upon mm-hmm. in downtown Lincoln, just as you're walking around or whatever. I mean, it, don't get me wrong, I love Casa Bovina, but it is something like like you guys have said, it's an experience. It's something you have to make a reservation for, usually about a month ahead of time, and it, it, it's it's kind of tucked away. Like nobody's just going to be driving by and be like, "Oh, there's a steakhouse. I should go there." But Aragon will kind of give them that opportunity to see those same products, maybe presented in some different ways, but with the same service, with the same quality. So, yeah, it's man, nice. I'm excited. Yeah, and Omaha, I mean, it, people in Omaha are spoiled with the amount of restaurant choices that's oh, around, God, right? God, are and, we spoiled. You know, there's and they're all independently owned, and they got their own flair and menus and talent behind it. But when you get to Lincoln, I mean, no knock against Lincoln restaurants, but, I mean, we have a lot of chain restaurants and set up and there's not a lot of artisanal components outside of a few new and it's certainly growing but you know so to add something in downtown lincoln that's not super fast casual um like we lack that down there um so unless you're in the hay market so we're not i mean we're off of uh, 12th and o street yeah it's it's in the new uh lead condo building directly across the street from uh the lead center off of q street so so it'll have a unique spot right next to the embassy hotel again to give a unique dining experience that isn't just part of the normal mill that you you see out there so we're excited to again bring something new uh to downtown lincoln and like you alluded to as well earlier i mean we just have when we took a look at it it just made too much sense because you know we'll be able to cross utilize almost everything we're using at casa bovina but i mean you know we'll be bringing bread in from our bakery we'll be serving gelato from our bakery we'll be serving steaks from our warehouse um you know so we're pretty self-sufficient even even with the new concept which is awesome Okay, well, that's going on my list in about six months or whenever it might open. I'm Sarah, when you listen to this, just know we're making a reservation. So I'm already excited for that. Let's, let's talk about that big campus in East Lincoln. That opened about four years ago, and maybe there are other things like this across the United States. I, I have no idea. But in Nebraska, it is just so unique in that you've got this sprawling campus. You've got a restaurant. You've got a market. You've got a bakery. You guys are opening up a, a salumeria there. What was the vision behind that campus when it was opened? Well, I would say for the most part is to bring a lot of our third-party services under our own umbrella. You know, as most beef companies go, I mean, really across the entire country, unless you're, again, part of the four main packers, you're third-partying your harvesting. You know, then you're going to third-party all the further processing, your your steaks and ground beef. And you might even third-party your fulfillment of just shipping or mailing all your steaks around. So, you know, we were piecemealing all that together, you know, prior to that campus move. But the vision was there was open space in Lincoln that wasn't necessarily part of an industrial complex, but room to grow and sprawl. 
and but then to bring everything under one house. So the, we don't do any harvesting on site. So everyone thinks we're out there uh, slaughtering can, you know animals, but you know we are in the city of Lincoln, so you can't do that. But um, we do all further processing. So the meat comes into us, and we just you know. Uh, you know, butcher it down into steaks, package it, and ship it all over the country. Um, but, yeah, then on site to have um, the value-add building, what we call the smokehouse, um, which we do all the cured meats, uh, sausages, we, or bacons produced there, um, but then all your normal processes for uh, cold storage and obviously just regular officing work too. So, But it's a nice, got a nice look to it um, and really just, again, complements everything we can do to keep everything internal so we can maximize the efficiency and quality of all of our products. Mm-hmm. To answer your question, yeah, yes, we probably are one of a handful of, of companies or you know producers in this country that are fortunate enough to be able to do all of that. So we're we're pretty in unique company there for sure. Mm-hmm. And we want to be in a position too to eventually help other Nebraska producers, you know, so we can work with you know a rancher that has its own brand, but again doesn't have the resources to go through everything they do to to sell their brand out to the rest of the country. So we can work with a fellow Nebraska producer to portion their steaks for them under their label, grind their own beef under their label, even help ship and sell off their website. So we're not quite there yet, um, but that is part of our plan again to use our resources to really celebrate other Nebraska ranchers. Mm -hmm. What I love about the campus is it kind of brings everything together and helps introduce people to certified Piedmontese. Me, for example, I'd never had certified Piedmontese before my first visit to Casa Bovina, and I heard about it, and I was like, hey, this restaurant sounds amazing. I got to go try it. Wife and I got there about half an hour early, so we're like, oh, hey, the Mercado, it's downstairs. It's open. We shopped around the Mercado, bought a couple things, went upstairs, had just an amazing, like, I still remember that dinner, the the rib cap uh, in the fifth course. I, like, I, it's lodged in my brain and will forever be there. But then we go home. And we cook certified Piedmontese products, and it's like, I'm not, I'm a pretty average home cook. Average might even be giving me too much credit. But I could make pretty good meals with this product, and now we're hooked on it. Like, Mm -hmm. we understand now. So, yes, the overall certified Piedmontese brand, like the campus is so much more than just the restaurant and the Mercado, but those two things help introduce new people. And that's why I'm so excited to see other mercados opening up around Omaha and Lincoln, and who knows, maybe there'll be even be more places in the future. But just the more people that you can get exposed to this brand, I think the more exciting it is, the more it's going to grow. Of course, and for us again, it's a chance for us to tell the story the way we want it told. You know, not through some other retailer out there or other remarketer or broker, right? So. Our campus looks nice because we want it to be nice. So when we entertain clients or, you know, if we get uh, the head of procurement for a 300-store grocery store chain that wants to come check out our operations, they're going to be hit with luxury and, you know, ultra performance from hitting our parking lot. You know, so we want to tell them that we take it serious. Our beef is priced high, yes, but again, because every level we produce is, is at a very high end, and your consumers will see that too. And so if we do open up more Mercados throughout the state or throughout the country, again, it's we can tell that story directly the way we want to and not rely on some other one to do it for us. And, again, you start tasting it at home and realize if you cook with better beef or better ingredients, it's going to taste better. Um, so, yeah, I, fully, I don't eat steak a lot myself outside of my own home because I think I do it better than most. That's, and, what, we, that's what we always joke about. The best steakhouse in town is uh, at our house. That's a good tagline right there. Um, as the idea of opening Casa Bovina, like on our campus, 
or an actual restaurant to showcase our products as that starts percolating and starts like rising up within the company. How excited were you guys? Well, it was, uh, I mean, not news to us, but I mean, it was always meant to be like an event space. When we first moved out of that space, it was, we're going to have a nice kitchen and potentially open it up for private parties uh, or for entertaining clients or events um, or in, in double as a break room for our office staff. Uh, it never survived as an office break room because as soon as we got out there, uh, we were working with Chef Maids, you know, at Akron to, to kind of get it going. It's like, well, okay, well, you know what? We just kind of in the heels of COVID, you know, we want to have a place that people have an option to dine out here in a very more simple setting, right? It's not packed. We're not turning over 300 people a night or anything like that. Um, so let's just open up a Friday, Saturday service. And much like the Mercado, it was that demand and growth of, geez, Friday, Saturday nights are sold out. You know, so let's add a Thursday, Sunday, and then it kept expanding, and then we needed to keep making changes to keep accommodating the growth. So I don't want to say it was a mistake or happenstance. It was a result of that demand, and we've been constantly editing our campus ever since to accommodate new growth, new ideas, uh, all born out of the demand from our customers. Kind of amazing. How fun is it to see what Chefs uh, Midget and Abood can do with those products because i mean it, it's one you can take a beautiful steak from certified piedmontese make an amazing meal but just the artistry that these guys have the different techniques they use to create texture and sauces and purees and pair that with the steak like it is so wild how fun is that to see this product that you're so familiar with but now presented in an entirely new way it's been incredible honestly and, and uh, chef zach midget would probably tell you that i am his harshest critic um, but it's such an incredible opportunity for us to be able to showcase their talents with folks that we have come into town that we're doing tours with, et cetera, or, you know, uh, business, um, possibilities that come into town. We sit them down, let them try our product the way our chefs present it. You know, if they're not filling the PO out when they leave, something's off. So it's, it's been really, really cool in that regard for sure. How are you as tough as critic? Uh-huh. I just like to give them a hard time, and I'm probably a little too – I work very closely with those guys as well. So um, it's good to have kind of that check and balance, I guess, for those guys. The key to uh, getting free samples or free bites from Casa <laughs> Bovina is you have to start drifting around the kitchen, finding some excuse to go back in there around, what, 4 o'clock, 4.30? Like, oh, what are you working on back there? And then, you know, hopefully get a, a few sample bites from there. But they used to be more sharing of their, you know, sample bites or creations and walk it over to our office side. But it doesn't happen in a while, so I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, we're going to have to ask for more of those free bites here. Yeah, they uh, just text me, so, you know, I run over there, don't <laughs> tell anybody. <laughs> What's the benefit of having a beef brand directly tied to a restaurant? Well, I think, again, comes back to, you know, we are obviously forcing our beef in there. But we do obviously showcase some uh, some different American Wagyu products. We've done Japanese Wagyu in there, too, to, again, show that difference of what Piedmontese is compared to uh, a fattier steak. Um, but really, I mean, any beef business out there, um, I mean, there's a lot of money in beef. I mean, to the costs that go into raising the cattle and producing the beef, again, to have a restaurant powered by a beef company opens up a lot of rooms that most restaurants don't have. You know, our chefs, and they would tell you, too, the freedom that our owners give them to put, you know, whatever they want on the menu as far as our specialty ingredients, uh, except chicken. I don't think we allow chicken on the on the menu there. But, 
for the most part, it's again, they have free kratom to do whatever they want. And again, no chefs really out there have that type of total luxury that they have, or, you know, they want a brand new bar. They want this and that to enhance our customer's dining experience. I mean, most restaurants are going to hear no way more than they hear yes. Uh, but they, again, based on the sales and, and luxury they have, they can do what they want almost. And to expand on that as well, the really cool thing is obviously uh, Chef Todd came from Le Cirque in Las Vegas, and then obviously Chef Zach Midget came from the French Laundry in Northern California. And at the French Laundry, they serve predominantly you know, Snake River Farms, American Wagyu, just heavy, heavy fat beef. Uh, but for him to come here and, and quote-unquote, be forcibly used to, to use certified Piedmontese, you know, he says it every every day. He's like, I cannot believe that this stuff tastes the way it does. And he's like, I don't even like the other stuff anymore. So for a classically trained chef in that high of regard to come in and use our product and be basically just completely 180 and, and go our direction speaks highly of the product. Mm-hmm. I mean, outside of like what white truffles and caviar, I mean, for any restaurant, beef is going to be largely one of their largest costs. I mean, outside the uh, the beverage programs. I know that there's $500 bottles of wine out there and stuff. But, again, to have that access to a variety of cuts, I mean, that's expertly cut in our butcher shop downstairs. Uh, again, they have total luxury in doing what they want to really highlight not only our beef but other local uh, artisanal goods too. So, um, like, those guys are totally blessed. I think they know it. Uh, you know, then you, you know, open up these other restaurants or opportunities for them. I mean, we want to celebrate these guys. Uh, we've tried our best to poach them all over Lincoln uh, and give them better opportunities. I mean, even, you know, giving servers better opportunities, uh, bartenders and all. I mean, we just want to create a culture and environment out there that lets everyone excel in their in their talent space. Mm-hmm. Something that's been fun for me as an Omaha diner is over the last couple of years, and I would say especially probably the last year, is starting to see certified Piedmontese pop up on Omaha restaurant menus. And I know... A couple that come to the top of my head immediately, Canara and Pacific Eating House. You can go, whether it's on special or at Pacific Eating House, just has it in their bibimbap all the time. You can get certified Piedmontese beef. How fun is that for you guys to see that start to spread? And it's not just consumers that are buying it, but it's restaurants that are recognizing, like, you know, whether it's them saying, whoa, Casa Bovina's got something going on, or they just try the product and they're like, I have to have this on my menu. That's got to be pretty good validation, right? I think it, it kind of rewards some of the marketing efforts that we do in Omaha and really throughout Nebraska. Because, again, the most of our business was always done outside the country. And for us to – we didn't have a delivery driver to get product down to Omaha. So we had to have someone drive up or even an employee drive the beef down to meet, meet someone there. And so for us to make it more available for them, um, you know, every week the cuts they want and be able to support them with the marketing we have, I mean, throughout the city here. I mean, I don't know. how We probably get six calls a week from – some other advertising companies seeing our billboards, you know, I saw you at billboards. You guys want to make more of a push in Omaha and we do. Um, but again, it's just the branding that we have. We're trying to reach more Nebraskans now because we're better suited to do so. So it's exciting to see. And I think you'll probably see that trend continue with more and more restaurants bringing certified Piedmontese up here in Omaha. So fingers crossed, but I, I think you'll start seeing it more and more even. I'm ready for it. So we, we've talked so much about how far certified Piedmontese has come, especially just in the last couple of years. And we talked a little bit about the future with Aragon, but as you guys look into the future, other than that restaurant, like it seems like this thing's just a rocket ship. Where do you see things going next? For us, I mean, it's also to 
obviously our Piedmontese will always be the, the flagship brand that we're promoting within our company. It's what we believe in and sell. But we also understand there is a marketplace for our talents in raising cattle in our business. So our, our plan is to offer, you know, our cattle raising program to certain retailers because we'll never be able to supply 600 stores with certified Piedmontese beef. Uh, the cost to raise all the animals and to do it the way we need it to for finished beef quality, we can't go out to the large retailers and say, yep, 52 weeks a year, we got your back. It's just never going to happen with our type of program. I mean, you need a, a fully Angus program to, to be able to meet those types of numbers. So uh, we are working on a, what we call a private label program. So we can offer a retailer grass finish program. Uh, we go out and procure feeders in the market, um, but we'll finish them on grass with our nutrition plan to ensure a delicious grass finished product. But be able to scale that up for the larger retailers out there. So uh, for us, it's, you know, maybe getting more cattle produced through our, our facilities and our warehousing, uh, but maybe not all just Piedmontese. So um, that's kind of the outside our expansion with potentially more restaurants or mercados. Uh, it's just getting more of our, our ranchers beef out to the country. So we're looking forward to that challenge. All right. I got two questions to finish out the, the podcast that I asked to just about everybody I have on. I'm going to tweak it slightly because we're not talking specifically about a restaurant. So first question, what is one thing that you think people outside of the beef industry don't understand about the beef industry that you wish they did? From my standpoint, it's, it's the cost that go in to even raise the, the cattle. I don't, we often get, you know, you're too expensive. Like, yes, I know it might, we might cost more than the beef you see at a, a grocery store. But again, we, you know, these animals take two years. You know, you have to get the baby, you know, out of the mama cow, right? You got to raise it. You got to finish it. You got to produce it. And everyone thinks it should just be done cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. But if they're comparing it to beef that's coming from overseas somewhere that, or it could be five-year-old frozen beef that slacked out and sold, like to be called expensive is always like, ah, oh, man, you probably don't know everything that goes on in this industry. So for us, I mean, beef's a premium product and it always will be. So to compare it against chicken or pork pricing, like, it's not the same ball game, but, um, you know, not to say that, you know, there, there are good beef out there that is cheaper, but again, like we're a premium product and we have premium pricing, but we're actually proud of it. So that's the one thing I guess, yeah, most people just assume everything should be cheaper and cheaper, but when you're dealing with live animals and perishable items, it's just, you know, not the case. Ben basically read just what I had wrote down for the answer to that question. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that, that is the biggest thing, at least on my end as well, is just, you know, why do we cost so much? You know, and again, it's, we're not chicken. We're not pork. These animals live for two years. And, and obviously the way we do things and how we do them uh, with animal welfare at the forefront of everything, uh, it, it's not cheap. And, and again, we're proud to bring that kind of product to market because it is different. Uh, but it's no different than, than other beef at the end of the day outside of those nutritional benefits and the story that comes with it uh, being a Nebraska product and, the performance that you're getting from it. It always amazes me that people seem to get the most sticker shock with food. Mm -hmm. Like it's people accept it. Oh, if I want to buy a nicer car, that's going to cost more money. If I want to buy a better house, that's going to cost more money. If I want to send my kids to private school, that costs more money. But if I want to buy a better tasting beef or go to a, a, a nationally acclaimed restaurant versus a, a fast casual chain, yeah, it costs a lot more money. I've never like why we accept that in pretty much every other area of life and resist it in food is just, it's something that's always well, yeah, confused me. If you even look at like the house market, for example, and you try and make the analogy to beef, 
you're driving by a, a house. I don't know what the house prices here in Omaha are, but let's say you see a house for $400,000 listed on Zillow. Are you going to sit back, oh, man, that house is way too expensive? You're like, oh, well, that's what the house house prices are now. Right. But yet, you know, we have the same stake, like, oh, $17 for that TV. you got to be kidding me. That's way too expensive. Like, it's you are right. It's weird how people look at a food item and just assume that it should be cheap and cheaper. But again, like if you're buying from a large retailer like Costco who can buy millions of pounds of beef and say that and they have buying power, in other words, Walmart, you know, having cheaper prices than a local family ran store, right? They can't compete with that pricing of these mega players out there. So it's not all the fair and same when you're talking about pricing it. We're the guilty ones that, you know, get trolled on social media left and right. So, um, I respond back to a lot of these these. I don't want to call them trolls um, on social media, but try and do my best to slightly give them some education to say we're, we're not necessarily more expensive. We just cost more. And, and it's really f- specific almost to center the plate because right now you see all these, it's not funny, but you see all these goofy memes about, you know, the price of eggs. Oh, yeah. Well, the price of eggs right now, you know, commodity eggs is now in line with the free-range organic eggs that you've always been able to buy. So now people are gravitating towards those brown, cage-free, you know, pasture-raised eggs because they're like, it's the same price. And then they get to eating them and they're like, whoa, these are way better. Mm-hmm. These are way different. You know, and they're actually better for you, you know, nutritionally. So to have that same parallel with beef and, again, not being a market-driven commodity like what most grocery stores are selling, you know, there's going to be times when the market is sky high and our beef is going to be the same price or potentially even cheaper than what grocery stores are bringing in, but they're playing that commodity, you know, roller coaster game. That's a great analogy. And one that I think everybody can feel the pain point on right now because eggs are so stinking mm-hmm. expensive, mm-hmm. but the good ones are worth it. Like yep. we just talked about. Uh, and to get you guys out of here on a positive note, favorite part about working in the beef industry. Being a foodie. I mean, having access to premium goods is kind of my interest and hobby outside of work as you mentioned before like i just love taking food photography or cooking dishes for my family so again having inspiration from our chefs up at the restaurant or buying goods at the mercado or obviously having access to our beef i just love being part of this industry and working with foods that i love um so it's been really uh, rewarding to do so not that my past jobs weren't rewarding but um obviously you know food plays a special part in most people's lives and i'm just glad to be part of it you know yeah, and I'll, I'll even kind of go even deeper with that and say, you know, I'm so proud to work for Certified Piedmontese because everybody that works out, you know, with us, our colleagues, we all believe so deeply in this product and, and we're so proud to be representing it because it is different, it is special, and, and it helps people um, that, that, frankly, would eliminate red meat otherwise. So uh, really proud to represent the company like that and, and tell the story and, and obviously the, the growth and success that's come with it. So it's been great. Mm-hmm. Uh, listeners, if you've had certified Piedmontese, I think you've heard these guys over the last hours talk about why it's so much better. You've tasted it. If you haven't experienced it, that there are multiple ways that, w- that you can do so. Go to Casa Bovina in Lincoln. Have your mind blown. Like There are not a lot of restaurants that I'm driving outside of Omaha for because we have, like you mentioned, Ben, we have so many great ones here. I'll drive to Casa Bovina any day of the week. That's awesome. Go to the Mercado. Go, now go to the one in Lincoln. Later this year, hopefully when it opens in Omaha, go. Just check out what they've got there. Or just go to Piedmontese.com. And to make sure we get the spelling right, P-I-E-D-M-O-N-T-E-S-E.com. You can find 
all the different cuts that we've talked about and more on this episode. Plus, you want to save some money, use the promo code HOPPEN, H-O-P-P-E-N. I Shameless plug there, but I got to do oh, it. Please, you, you use that at checkout, you get 25% off. How do you beat that? So all kinds of opportunities to try this and just experience why this is such a unique, special brand. And you're going to like it. Like I can pretty much guarantee it unless you just something's broken with your taste buds. You're, you're going to be okay. Joe and Ben, thank you so much for taking the time to drive down from Lincoln and spend some time on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Dan. Thanks for having us, Dan. Omaha, as always, thanks for eating with us. A Huda Media Production.